right, starting, to scaling, and exiting a business is hard. So why do some companies achieve seven, eight, and nine-figure exits while others struggle to To answer these questions, we sit down with top entrepreneurs who have exited for more than $10 million or currently run $10 million plus businesses and Grillo until they share their proven tactics and strategies. Welcome to Beyond Eight Figures. Annually, and man, I'm super excited about today's show because this is someone who I have known from afar for quite a number of years, and we were able to connect a few years ago. I will say our first point of contact actually wasn't great. Um, what you reasons. do? Well, I didn't <laughs> actually do anything, so to speak, and that was part of the problem. And we'll oh. uh, we'll get into that just a little bit because uh, I'll be real curious to get uh, my man's take on that. But uh, we won't bore you with too many of those details. But it'll be curious to see uh, kind of what Onyx take is on that. And we are going to be joined here by Onyx Singal. And uh, again, super excited because Onyx is uh, someone that I've looked up to for a long time. If you've done anything in the internet marketing world. In the last 10, 12 years, um, you've probably come across Onik in one way or another. Sometimes you may have realized and other times uh, you may not, but his hands were probably on it either with uh, a direct impact in terms of your learning directly from him or with the impact of one of his students and someone that he has taught uh, over the years. So let's actually wait. Let's uh, let's bring up Onik right now. So Onik Singal, how are you, my man? Good to, good to have you on. I'm doing well. How are you? you thanks for having me yeah man really excited to have you on and uh and just so we can get it out of the way here early how do you meet the criteria for beyond eight figures was it an exit or do you currently run a business that grosses more than 10 annually uh, i'm currently running a business that grosses uh, over 20 million annually so it fit that second one yeah that's awesome man and so give folks an understanding of exactly what it is that you do. I mean, I, I would certainly throw you into the category of the internet marketer, but I think what you do is so much more than that. So how, how would you define what, what you're doing with Learn and with everything else? Sure. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's funny you bring that point up because I think that's one of the things I'm working against right now is that a lot of people do just say, hey, Onyx and call the internet marketer. For 15 years, that is what I've done. I love digital marketing. It's actually an obsession and a hobby. But really, my bigger vision, my bigger goal, my bigger dream isn't just to do digital marketing. It's to serve entrepreneurs. Yeah. Uh, today, you know, I'll work with a baker down the street that owns a bakery shop, or I li- I recently helped the person who does my car detailing, you know, scale their business up. So uh, at Learn, what we do is we, we don't have a mission or or a vision. We just have a purpose statement, and that is to be the transformational home for entrepreneurs. We built a physical home here in Rockville, Maryland, twenty six thousand square feet. It is literally a playground for entrepreneurs. Um, we are now you know, getting close to going beta with our virtual home for entrepreneurs, which already has close to 40,000 members in it, which already has, I think it's got about 46 courses in there. So really, we want to be the place where entrepreneurs come for that community, for the training, for the education, for the support that, let's face it, as entrepreneurs, it's a lonely business. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's a tough business where unless you're, if you're a developer, right, you go to work every day, you're surrounded by people that are your peers. And if you're an entrepreneur, you're just not, and you don't have the time for it. So we really want to be that community. We want to provide that facility for entrepreneurs all over the world, by the way, not yeah. just in this local area. Yeah, man. So w- what I want people to understand is is where you came from uh, to get to where you are now. But let me let me actually just start with the question here in terms of the present moment. Let me, let me can you break down for us where the twenty odd million in revenue 
comes from and what, what is the projected revenue for, for finishing up 2018 here? Sure. So I actually own six different companies. If you were to total up all the revenue from all of them, we'd be close to about $35 million a year. Mm. Um, and the main one that most people know me for, which of course would be Learn, we're, we're a digital publishing company at the end of the day. Now, we publish not just for myself and my own content, but we also publish for Robert Kiyosaki. We publish for Les Brown, for Bob Proctor. Uh, we'll soon be publishing, of course, with Damon John. And so we are an education company. We sell education, and most of which is virtual. We sell some workshops and some live classes too, but I would say like 90% of our revenue comes from our online course offerings. Uh, two of the other companies that I also have a big share of are digital publishing companies. So I think it's safe to say that I really like the world of you know digital products, mm -hmm. virtual products that are delivered over the Internet. Yeah, and given that our sort of uh, MO here is to help people understand really what it takes to start to scale and if desired to exit a business – scale is certainly where the world of digital marketing comes in, right? Because you can create something once and sell it over and over and over again. Is that one of the things that originally attracted you to the world of digital marketing is the fact that you could scale it by creating something once and selling it over and over again? So actually, when I got interested in digital marketing, I didn't even understand nor care for the concept of scaling. I mm. just wanted to get started, right? I was in college. I had $100 to my name. Certainly wasn't going to buy a franchise or a McDonald's with that. So what attracted me initially to the online world was the fact that you it, the start of capital is so minimal, mm -hmm. right? And especially today versus 15 years ago when I started, today we have all these tools and all these applications that can do most of the hard heavy lifting for you. That was what brought me into it. But I got to tell you, the second thing that really just made me even more addicted to it was the margins. So I don't have to deal with physical production, warehousing, design, prototyping, you know, patenting. I just have a virtual product where I literally it's delivered as soon as someone buys it. So those margins help you advertise more, help you grow more, help you scale faster. Um, and then the third, yes, absolutely, scalability is amazing. I mean, 56% of Learn's customer base now is outside the United States. Wow. That's, that's, it's incredible. I mean, we're literally teaching, coaching, and helping people all over the world in countries I didn't even know were countries. <laughs> I, I mean, that's the crazy part. So, yes, yeah. the scale is, is big. So let me, let me ask you this then. To get to the $35 million across the – the six different entities, which is, I believe, what you said there. How much staff are we talking about, and, and do you have a sense of what actually will drop to the bottom line? And are you the sole owner? Do you have partners? So give us a sense of what it takes to run those entities from a staffing perspective, if you know those numbers off the top of your head, and then uh, in terms of net and, uh, and structure. Sure. So Learn, which is our primary company that does most of the revenue, right, has got about 67 people, if wow. you were to okay. count our sales team, which which we should. So <laughs> hold on. Awesome. So let's, let's just break that down for a second. So if we're at 20-odd million dollars in revenue with 67 employees, we're talking about your – is that roughly 300K then? Do you, do you have a number that you try to get to in terms of revenue per employee? Because I, I, I don't have a calculator right here in front of me. I probably could. Uh, but I think that breaks down to about 300K per, per employee. 
Yeah, so then it's funny you mentioned that. Yes, it's about $298,500 per employee. <laughs> to, so to, you're be, very you're close. Right. Yeah, to be exact. To, to, yeah. to be exact. Yeah. Um, we, we shoot for 500000 You do. Okay. So this, yeah, this year for us was a growth year. We knew that uh, the it was a building year. Sorry, is what I meant to say. Mm-hmm. It was a building year. We, we knew we needed to invest the time and energy and money and, and resources to get us geared up for a very, very big growth spurt next year. So we were fully expecting that number to fall. Last year, if you had looked at it, it would have been well north of 600,000. So per half a million employee. is what we yeah. want to get back to. Yes, yeah, per employee. Per. Interesting. Yep. And then as far as the – I just want to make sure I'm, I'm clear on the structure here. So are you, the, are you the sole owner of these entities? Do you have partners? Have you raised capital? Kind of take us through that. Sure. So Learn, I'm the sole owner of, uh, 100%. Uh, the second company is currently going through its first Series A. We are literally being – as we speak, I'm getting text messages um, of all the term sheets we're getting. It is – let's just put it this way. It's a great Series A going the right way where Mm -hmm. we have competition and people are really interested in us. So we're blessed to have that. The third company that uh, I own half of, I own 50% of it. Um, The fourth company, which is actually just getting ready, it's, it's, this is its first year. So it's still really small, but I own 45% of it. I think the least I own uh, would be 26% of a company. Most, uh, and and the the only company that I own 100% of is Learn. Is Learn. Interesting. And so take us back then to the embryonic days. I mean, you've been doing this this whole thing around online marketing now for, as you said, what, about 15 years, something like that. So t- take us back through what has now become Learn. How did, how did you start? Was it, was it just you? You just had an idea? I just want to try to understand really the embryonic days here and then what that evolution looked like in terms of your first hires and how you were able to to scale because there's a lot of folks out there. I mean, let's be honest who do things online and they do okay, but they never get to the territory that you've been able to, to take things to. So it's, I want to try to pick that apart a little bit and understand what that looked like uh, when you started and then how you were able to scale. Sure. Uh, I was kind of chuckling when you asked, cause I'm thinking how much time do we have? <laughs> um, so the embryonic stage was literally me sitting in a dorm room in my boxers, trying to figure out how to make a few bucks online. Yeah, that's way so I too much visual nice for me. Like other things, like <laughs> full, fully clothed with the suit on. I got it. There's the visual. I want Vonic, not the other. Uh, yes. So I was just trying to make enough money to buy a nice car. That's literally, that was what the first initial motivation was. Um, I turned to Google. I went and typed in how to make money. Google gave me an auto suggestion, said online. I said, sure, why not? Let's have a look at that. You know, 18 months, I struggled. I I found a great forum. I was the most annoying kid on that forum. That was literally my name. They called me the most annoying kid. And I asked question after question after question. I applied and implemented. That's not a bad acronym. Like, that's, you you were T-Mac, man. You know, that's not bad. The most annoying was T-Mac. What's up, T-Mac? That's totally cool with people. Well, like Marlon Sanders still talked to me today. They were on that forum back then, and he still says, wow, you know, look at what you were able to do with it. So no, 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 no challenge, no issue there uh, with the name. But um, I couldn't make it work, you know. I, every week I tried something. It wasn't for a lack of hard work. I just couldn't make it work. It wasn't working for me. So I was really close to quitting. I was, I was fed up. I mean, I wanted to – I was getting great job offers from Wall Street at that point. From so you were, getting still, ready to graduate. you were still in college, right. Okay, yes, yeah, so still in college and getting ready to graduate. So you're trying to do this out of your dorm room. Okay, so you got options after you get done with school. 
Yes, exactly. So I'm about to quit. I go to the forum. I say, hey, that's it. I'm I'm done. Thank you, everybody, for all the support you gave me, but it's not working for me. I wish you all the best. If I don't make any money in the next 24 hours, I'm out. And um, honestly, I, I didn't have any idea what I was going to even do to make money in the next 24 hours. So really, I, I had quit. Um, but I get this direct message on the forum. Now, we didn't have Skype and all that back then, right? So I get this private message on the forum and it's from someone who has zero history in the forum. I've never heard from them. I've never seen their name. Basically saying that they've watched me for the last year. They're very proud of me. They don't want to see me quit. That they would give me the next 24 hours. I could message them as much as I wanted. And they would answer my questions. Um, but, you know, to give it a shot. And I literally almost said no. So close to saying no. I was just so fed up. I was so frustrated. But then I, I, I was like, what else do I have? Like, I don't have anything else to do. Might as well. What's the worst that can happen? Thank God. I did. You know, till this name, I, till this day, I, I don't know that person's name. Really? I have no idea who they were. No, nope, no clue. Huh. They, they helped me all night. It worked. I made my first $300 while sleeping that night. I was super ecstatic, messaged them back, never heard back from them. So hold on. So we got to we gotta break that down because there are people right now who an extra 300 bucks. I mean, I know that was 15 years ago, but even 300 bucks today would, it would be of, of huge help to some people. So I want to just... What they actually do. Yeah, so what, what did you sell, and sure. how, did, how did you do that? Because that's where a lot of people are now. They have zero product. They have zero, like, anything. And to make 300 bucks would be, like, a windfall. Yeah, and, and so, I, you know, I had been trying so many things. It, I felt like I had been doing some pieces had I just kind of reshaped them and put them together differently. You know, it's like you can have all the ingredients for a pizza, but if you don't put them in the right order and do it right, you're not going to make a pizza. Mm-hmm. So... What I was able to do, what he, what he or she shared with me was to stop driving traffic directly to the sales page of someone else. Like I was trying to be an affiliate, right? I didn't have my own product. So mm-hmm. um, I was trying to promote this software that I had gotten really good at using. And um, I just kept sending traffic straight to the person. Well, well, this person asked me to change things around a little bit. They asked me to write an actual page. I used a tool called Microsoft Front Page. Bless it. I love that tool. Mm-hmm. It helped me make millions. And I wrote an ugly page. And back then, what I essentially did was wrote a review page for the product. Rather than sending people straight to the product, mm-hmm. I wrote a pre-sale page. And before bonuses were such a big thing, mm-hmm. I didn't even realize it. This person asked me to put together a bonus. My bonus at that time was, look, if you buy this software through me, I'll give you my cell phone number and support you for free on the software. Mm. And I'll tell you something, that lasted a few days before that offer was off the table. But <laughs> uh, yeah. um, but that that was what really worked, right? And And then this person also gave me a really creative way to get traffic, which again today is like second nature, which was I was so active in that that forum. This person said, look, these people in the forum are the very people that would buy this software. Why do you not use a signature file? And I said, well, I don't have anything of value to them. He said, well, you do now, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. So link, and that was how I drove traffic over those six hours that night when I went to bed is I just posted three, four or five times on the forum, put a signature file, finally activated it after a year and a half, drove people to the pre-sale page. When I woke up in the morning, I had sold like, I don't know, 10 or 15 of the software. But wow. I just remember it was like. Three hundred and two dollars I had made in commission. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome, man. So, so your fire was reignited. You're like, okay, this is this is something that I can do. Was was affiliate marketing and just doing this solo? I mean, obviously you didn't have any staff at this point, so it's it, it's just you. You're you're just trying to find products to introduce to to folks and create these sort of review type pages, if you will, the page before the sales page. Uh, is that what you then dove into, and how far did you run before 
you started hitting some real money and, and bringing on your first employee. I just I just want to try to, again, understand sure. what, what that looked like. Yeah. So, yes, that's where I started pulling the thread, but the thread changed shape and color very quickly. So for the next few weeks, I did a lot of that, right? And then um, I, I, I was able to make quite a bit of money. I think my first month I probably closed a little north of $10,000. Wow. But it, it, it still didn't feel like it was enough because now I had a taste, right? I wanted mm-hmm. more. Mm-hmm. So that was when I discovered email marketing. And, and I'm still till this day, if anyone asked me what kind of marketing I love the most, it's email marketing. I don't care what's going on out there. Email is still amazing. I discovered email, started building a list, and that was when I really threw some legs behind my business. The first employee you had asked earlier, the first person I actually hired is such an amazing story. It was a woman who I found on, I don't know how I found, on the forum or somewhere. I don't remember how I found her, but we started a conversation and she started writing. She was a writer. I needed help creating content because I was selling content online. And she was so good and very inexpensive. So I made her an offer. I was about to launch a membership site. I wanted to, this was like going to be what would project, you know, kind of propel me to the next hemisphere. But this membership site needed tons of content, and I wasn't going to write it. So I went to her. I made a deal with her. I said, for every member I get to the site paying me $30 a month, I will pay you you know, a dollar hmm. of that. And I found out months later, after I could afford to hire her full time, and I did, I found out that she actually was homeless during that time. She had a, convinced a doctor's office to allow her to sleep in a cot in their office if she worked during the day for free. So this woman would literally work during the day at the doctor's office. As soon as the doctor's office closed, she would write for me and she was sleeping in a cot in the office. I didn't know this until much later. She, she was with me until she retired. Uh, when she left our company, she was making about $160,000 a year. So, you know, it's one of my favorite stories. That was the first person I ever, I ever brought on. Yeah. So, so take us through then you, you, this was your first hire. Mm, ostensibly she was a kind of a commissioned sales person, right? I mean, so to speak, I mean, you weren't paying her mm-hmm. a salary. You, you were going to pay her based on revenue generated after the profit fact. share. Yeah. In like a, a way, like a profit share. Exactly. And, and by the way, you know, kudos on even having the idea to create a, a membership type program I mean, that really hasn't come into favor, I don't know, maybe in the last five, seven years or so. I mean, you're talking about, what, 15 years ago, 14, 13, whatever it is, years ago, that you actually had this vision on, on creating a, a membership site, so to speak. So uh, that's that's pretty amazing. But take us through, then, the, the growth after that and getting to your first million. Sure. So the first million came fairly quickly after I launched that membership site. That that thing blew up real quick because um, I didn't just launch a membership site, but I, I'm a good student. I'm very coachable. So I'm always out there learning, reading, studying. I don't have an ego. I don't care who I'm learning from as long as I'm learning. And I and I at that back then I discovered this individual by the name of David D'Angelo. Right. Mm. I think we all know who he was or yeah. is now. But sure. He was running this business about dating, and I started looking at their business, started hearing from their other friends that this individual was making millions and millions, so I started reverse dissecting all their pages. And so at the same time when I launched my membership site, I put two things out that increased conversion, and I'm not kidding when I say this. They increased conversion by 1,000 
56%. I remember this number. I put a opt-in page up, a very ugly little teeny opt-in page. I took it right from David D'Angelo. And the second thing I did is instead of trying to sell someone into my membership at twenty nine ninety seven a month, I gave them a fourteen day trial for a for a dollar. Mm-hmm. So when I did that, that just took off. And then what I discovered is when these people bought, so again, these are all things I was discovering. No one was teaching me these, but today they're they're common nature. Sure. So I I discovered as soon as someone would buy, you know, they'd start sending support, more tickets. They needed more help. They wanted to book my time for consultation or wanted coaching or wanted to come see me for an event. And next thing I knew, I was like, oh, I can sell these people something for $500 or for $1,000. And so my back end grew very quickly. And before I knew it, I, I mean, I had cruised past a million probably right around the time I graduated. Like, I think that, oh. you know, it was within a couple of weeks of me going to graduation ceremony, I'd already made a million dollars online. So, um, you know, so I wasn't going to go get a job. That was for sure. Yeah. So at that point, had you had you scaled up the business from a staffing perspective or were you just creating content, putting it out and counting on the funnel that you had built around this? And obviously you're terrific at, at generating leads and getting traffic and so on. I mean, we don't have to go into those granular details about how you do that, but I'm just trying to understand from an operational perspective, when, when did you, because again, this one was kind of on a profit share basis. When did you actually have, you know, the, the whole like W2 and you actually started having employees <laughs> working for you or, or is everyone just still W9? Like how, how do you do that? Or sure. 10, 1099, so I think is the way to put uh, it, right? It, yeah. Yeah. So this is another funny story. So basically the last I would say the last like three quarters of my senior year in college, I was paying for an apartment on site on campus. I was barely ever there. I never, I stayed home. I stayed, I lived with my parents. And the reason was because my parents have a big basement. Mm. And so there was this big room in the basement that I set up shopping, set up my office. And <laughs> so this, this is a, this is a moment. I, I'm going to take a couple of minutes to tell the story, but this sure. is hilarious. So I'm at, I'm at my friend's place. We're drinking that night. It was Friday night. It's like three of us. So my friend, myself, and his friend. We're sitting there around a, on just having drinks. And I start complain. I'm, I'm, I've had a few drinks by now. And I start to complain about how I'm just way overwhelmed. I can't, get, can't keep up with all the work. And I wish I could find good people to help me. And while I am literally complaining about this, the other individual, my friend's friend, is sitting there. And he has also had a few drinks. And he's complaining about how he wishes he could find a good job. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Neither one of us connected the dots except my friend who keeps looking at me and then looking at him and then looking at me. And he looks at us and he goes, why don't you work for him and you hire him? And I just kind of laughed it off. I thought, ha, 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 whatever. And this, I was like, yeah, sure. Show up on Monday. You know, we'll start Monday. And I used to get up really late. So Monday morning, my mom comes to wake me up at like, you know, eight thirty or nine, which is like a sin at that time. I'm like, what are you doing? And she's like, someone's at the door for you. So I walk downstairs. It's that guy in a suit with a briefcase in his hand. And I'm like, what are you doing here? And he's like, his like bottom lip quivers. He's like, you hired me on Saturday. I'm like, what? Yeah. And man. the funniest thing is he comes in with a briefcase. It was empty. I'm like, why did you bring this? He's like, oh, I don't know. I thought we we're supposed to have a briefcase. Like, go to work. So oh, I started hiring these guys. I had a few people, I had like two or three people with me. And what I, I was so good, right? I knew what I'm doing. I'm like so proud of myself. I would take a piece of paper every time I paid them. Every time I wrote them a check, I'd take a piece of paper, write their name, write how much I paid them, shove it into a big envelope, and then I'd pay them a check. And I was like, as long as there's money in the bank, I can keep paying people. I'm in profit. It's all good. 
Well, that was until a year later I got accepted into an incubator program at the University of Maryland, which is where I graduated from. Mm -hmm. And I get to the program and they, they're like, okay, let's help you clean things up. The first thing they do is introduce me to a CFO who would, who I could hire part-time to come help me. And I remember I, he's like, he looks at me and goes, so what systems do you use? QuickBooks, this, that? I'm like, what's that? And this guy, his face just goes white as a ghost. He's it's like, not QuickBooks, it's checkbooks. Like that's, <laughs> yeah, right? uh, yeah, that's, that's my system, I, checkbooks. And he starts to tell me what he needs. I said, oh, I get it. You need records of payments? No problem. I got all of that, man. I'm good. And he's like, okay, thank God. And I took out a big box and just slammed it on the table. I said, here you go. <laughs> and it took him three months to clear that out and wow. to get it all into QuickBooks. So um, when I say we did this the raw way, we did it the raw mm -hmm. way. But that, it was it was him who came in. You know, I don't understand this stuff still. I don't know how payroll runs. I don't understand how benefits are administered. But today in our company, we have the best benefits packages, health, vision, life insurance. We have perks. We have all these cool stuff, cool things for our team members. But if it wasn't, and it's the same CFO now. He's a full-time team member. He's been with me from almost day one. But if it wasn't for that operational team, I don't know how to do all that stuff. Yeah. And you know what? I'm good at marketing and sales and, and strategy. I'll, I'll do what I'm good at. How long did Briefcase Guy stay with you? He was with me for years, years and years. Such a sad story. Um, he had to, I had to lay him off when I was going through some major financial hardships in 2010. But, but what made me cry at that time was that he came into my office and laid himself off. Because he literally looked at me and said, I know you won't have the heart to get rid of me, but I also know that I'm not the most critical person right now for you. So here's my resignation letter. I'm leaving. And, um, you know, him and I have still stayed in touch. I spoke to him last year. He's got a great job at the Discovery Channel. He's loving life. He has kids, married. He's doing great. But uh, what, a, what a great person. Yeah. So I'm just trying to... I just want to get a, a good understanding here of, of how this all started in terms of the employees and, and so on. So you were doing, and kind of reading between the lines here a little bit, you were doing well over a million dollars in revenue before you brought on your first full-time employee. Is that accurate? Uh, yes, exactly. So the, first, the only person I had brought on to the company and I was paying regularly every month was the same woman who had lived out of the doctor's office. Uh, but I, but she wasn't technically an employee because I was paying her as a contractor. Mm -hmm. And even after I hit a million dollars, I don't think it was until I hit maybe two, two or a little over two million that I got into the incubator program and they introduced me to the world of HR. And I realized, oh, you know, mm -hmm. it's illegal. What I'm doing is currently <laughs> illegal. Mm -hmm. uh, so, <laughs> mm -hmm. all right. So, obviously, going from there. There are some entrepreneurs who are fortunate enough. And what, what we really try to dissect here is, you know, why do some entrepreneurs struggle to reach five or six figures while others seem to sail through seven and eight and nine and you know, beyond, right? So what, what I'm trying then to, to really unpack here with you is you were able to get to a, a seven-figure business, what sounds like, you know, not in easy fashion. Obviously, you were working your tail off and you were clear on what it was that, you know, you could sell and, and would sell to your uh, prospects or ideal clients there, but to get to 10 million, that's, that's a whole other ball game. So take us through what you had to do to get to eight figures. Cause that, again, that's today, like starting getting to a million bucks. It kind of doesn't feel like it once did in terms of like, Hey, that's, you know, a big deal. You got a million dollar company. I mean, it's still a big deal, but getting to 10 really seems to be the new threshold. So take us through what 
happen to get you there? Sure. So it's funny you mentioned that question, right? You talked about like, what does it take? And so that's exactly actually what I spent the last three years researching. And so that's where I wrote this book that's just releasing soon called Escape. But I didn't just build a, a $10 million business once. The crazy thing is I built it twice. Um, so the first time I built it, it, you know, by, by 2009, 2010, the late effects of the economic collapse hit our industry and I lost it all. I mean, I, I ended up being $1.7 million in debt by the time I was 28. Mm. Um, so I went from being top of the world, millions in the bank, you know, a company doing over 10 million a year in revenue to literally being 1.7 million in, in debt. My father had to take a second loan against the house after he had paid it off, just mortgaged the home to be able to help me pay for my debts. Um, I got into a really bad place. I started drinking, was borderline alcoholic. I was in the hospital every two to three months having mass massive internal bleeding. My relationships were falling apart. And when I finally had the reality check was when I remember I was on a, on a layover in Amsterdam and uh, I was super sick. And all I know is I just I just got on the plane somehow. The flight was coming back to, to the U.S. And next thing I know, I mean, I'm, a, I'm strapped to a stretcher and being taken down the stairs. What happened? Before the plane, while it was taxing, I passed out. I blacked out. The person next to me must have waved down the flight attendant. They pulled the plane over. They told me later, had that plane taken off, I would have gone into shock over the Atlantic Ocean. There would have been nothing they could have done for me. I would have died. Um, so that's mm. about as close as someone wants to come to death. So that was a wake-up mm. call for me, really, to fix my life. But what did I do to hit that first $10 million? And Let me, that's um, what I had to hold on. I just, I just, hold on. Let me just step back, and we'll get into, the, into that and escape and the book and the whole nine. I just want to try to understand this, because at some point here, don't you cut your losses and you just say, I'm not putting any more money into this thing? How did you, how did you rack up $1.7 million in debt? I mean, that's, that's – and, and obviously having the safety net of your dad to be able to – to help figure that out and get you through that, I mean, it's huge. But at some point, because this is, this is part of the conversation that we have here as well, is like you got to know when it's time to just cut the damn rope, right? I mean, like, you know, at, okay, 500K in debt, I'm not going any farther. 750K in debt, I'm not going any farther. You know what I mean? Like, take us, I, I just want to understand that for a second. Yeah. So you and I know that now with experience and wisdom in life, a 26, 27 year old who thinks he can take over the world and who's been on top of the world already doesn't know that. So my solution to every problem I had was to double down on what I had tried before that had not worked. So I was, I was gambling. I was playing blackjack. Right. Um, so the more things weren't working, the more problems I had, hire more people. You know, mm -hmm. uh, if something didn't work, do more of it. You know, if you do it twice as twice as hard, maybe it'll work. Twice as enthusiastically. So, <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, and and so it just spiraled out of control. Today, I, of course, know how to manage those situations. I would have had to have dropped expenses, would have needed to, you know, get my expenses in line with revenue, should have reviewed what was going on from a revenue perspective. It finally, you know, my melting point was when I knew there was absolutely nothing else I could do. I was literally going to kill myself if I didn't fix it. And when I did sit down to review what had gone wrong, that was when I actually truly discovered what I had been doing to get to that first 10 million, how simple it was. And it was actually when I complicated everything because I wanted, I got greedy. I wasn't happy mm -hmm. and I, I just wanted it faster, right? So I complicated everything and that was where things started to fall apart. 
And I went from 96 employees down to six. I shut down three offices. I went to a fully virtual setup. I refused to declare bankruptcy like everyone told me. Um, what was I going to do? Call my father and say, sorry, I'm not going to pay you back. I'm in, you know, bankrupt now. So yeah. no, I, I'm not going to do that. So um, fixed it, learned from it, 16 months, paid back every penny of the $1.7 million in debt with interest and was back on top. Well, Wade, I think you had a question for Onik. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, during this time, uh, fundamentally cash flow. You're a million seven in debt. Your dad's having to mortgage his house to help pay off that debt. But you're talking about flying overseas. You're talking about playing blackjack. And so where's the cash flow coming from if you're losing money? And just I I simply don't understand that piece. Sure. So I wasn't actually playing blackjack, by the way. I'm not a gambler. I meant it's a metaphor, Wade. It's a metaphor. (laughs) It was. It was like what they tell you. If you lose a hand, double down on the next one because you'll win. So that's kind of what I was – that was the theory I was using towards my business. But um, cash flow was still coming, right? Our revenue hadn't gone to zero. I was just spending a lot more. So what I was doing was playing a dangerous Ponzi scheme game. Mm -hmm. So there was lots of people I owed money, and I would just keep being late. And every time I did a new product release and people promoted that product Mm -hmm. for me – the money I owed them, I would pay to the person who had promoted me three, four months ago and then put this person in a perpetual waiting zone to get paid. It was a very, very stressful game to play, but it was truly a cash flow game. So our our business hadn't completely bottomed out. It's just we had gone from, you know, doing one to one and a half million in revenue mm-hmm. per month to doing 750,000 to 700 or 650. Mm-hmm. And so over time, it just accumulated. We maxed out credit cards. We maxed out, you know, the local bank credit line. Um, and and so that yeah. that was kind of, a, it was a weird cash flow game, but that's how we kept it afloat. So how, And how the reason we, I was flying yeah. international, by the way, is because I had, I had two offices in India. So I used to go back and forth mm. trying to manage those offices. Mm-hmm. And so how did you get back then? You were starting to tell the story a little bit about how you got back to the 10 million the second time. So you learned, which is appropriate, obviously, given the name of your company, L-U-R-N, right? Learn.com. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You learned from that experience, and you began then to apply it to this second iteration, if you will. So what, what did that look like? Because you were starting to tell that story. Sure. So, you know, there was the office here in, in Maryland that it was the final day. I had to slide the keys under the door for the landlord that day. And the whole office had been emptied out. It was a really sad, sad, sad scene. Right. And I, I asked everybody to leave. I said, I just, I needed some time by myself in the place. And everyone left totally 5,500 square foot office. It's empty. And I'm sitting there staring at this huge whiteboard wall we had. And I said, I'm not leaving here today until I figure out what the heck went wrong. How did I go and t- t- topsy turvy like this? This is ridiculous. And so I started whiteboarding everything. And what I realized was very simple. I realized that I was so busy chasing things that I didn't understand. Um, I wanted to build this big business, right? I wanted to build this huge company that required so much development, so much code. I didn't have any experience in that, that I actually started to ignore the stuff that had been making me money. So nurturing the customers that were buying from me that had said, hey, we like this kind of stuff from you, I had stopped nurturing them. I had now started to only pay attention to the things I wanted to do, even the market was saying, we don't want that. We don't care for that. I was trying to impose my will upon them. So I decided what were, you know, for example, 
you know, releasing new products to my existing email list. I had an awesome email list. I hadn't done any, I hadn't done that in over a year. There was hundreds wow. of thousands of dollars of revenue on the table. That was that was like the first biggest change I made to help me pay back 1.7 million in 16 months. Mm -hmm. Is I started releasing products to an audience that said, "Hey, thanks for coming back. We miss you. Like we wanted you to be making more products for us." Um, I started. Um, really networking again for the last year and a half before I decided to do this, I had stopped going to events. I'd stopped meeting new people, which meant back then for me, I don't know how to drive traffic back then. So the only kind of traffic I had was affiliates. Affiliates means you need to meet people. You need to network. Sure. And I wasn't doing that anymore. So I started making, establishing relationships again. The biggest thing I'll tell you what I did is I, I made a decision when I was coming back. I said, I'm not going to chase money anymore. I did that already. And so I remember telling myself, yes, we're going to pay this debt back, but we get to sit down and figure out, do we have a purpose? Is there a specific place where I want to create specific value? If the answer to that is, I don't know, it's okay. But then I'm not going to go out there and start chasing cash. I'll help somebody else who has figured it out with their purpose until the day I figure mine out. Mm. But I got to create value. I need to do something that's going to impact and create value, not just make money. And that I, I got to tell you, that was a very, very, it was like a sacred moment with myself that I had. And it, and it truly helped me come back and it helped me stay grounded um, even till this very day when, yeah. yeah, everything's great now. But, you know, I, I stick to the mission. But that, I went back to the basics when it comes to marketing, but I also went back to the basics when it comes to mindset. You know, instead of, feeling like I could delegate everything and hire people and 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 just kind of be lazy, to be honest with you. I went back to hustle mode. I went mm -hmm. back to, you know, take ownership, seize the day mode. And, man, mm -hmm. it changed everything. Yeah, man. So you, you've built this amazing facility in, in Maryland, like you said, 26,000 square feet. And if you guys go to learn.com, L-U-R-N.com, you can see some photos there and uh, just an amazing, beautiful facility there. Give me a sense of what the exit strategy is. There an exit strategy? Do you, um, obviously we're now on the scale stage again. You started it. You're scaling it. Is there an exit strategy here, or is that not even on the radar? So I spent quite a bit of time thinking about this recent, uh, as recent as you know, started a year ago. There's two major things that Learn's currently working on. The first of which is our virtual platform. Most people don't know about it. We kept it very quiet on purpose, but that's going to be the mover and shaker that you're going to see over the course of the next year that's going to make major, major, major headlines. Um, if there was ever an exit plan, it would be in relation to the virtual platform. Uh, the physical center, a lot of people call me crazy for launching it, $3.5 million that I put into it. Mm. Um, still in the process of getting it going. I launched it in a place called Rockville, Maryland, not even New York City or Austin or mm -hmm. San Francisco. Um, I wanted to, you know, but people don't realize there was a lot of calculation behind that. I needed this facility um, for various many reasons. I waited six years to build it till it was the right time. So when I was contemplating, hey, what's the exit? What's the strategy? Who's going to buy me? What's the business plan? I really threw all that out because I started asking the wrong questions and I started seeing myself chasing the money. Mm. And so what I told myself was, let's not build a company to sell. Let's build a company to serve. And if we succeed in serving appropriately, either of two scenarios are going to happen and I will be happy with either one. One is someone's going to come buy me, right? Or, or, or I'm going to raise money or whatever. I'll go the route of equity, private equity or something like that. That second was just as fine with me, which was maybe no one else will want to buy me, but I'll be successfully serving people and living my purpose and hanging out with other entrepreneurs all day long. 
and it'll just become a cash cow for me for the rest of my life. And I'm okay with that as well. I'll go launch other companies. So yeah, that, that's my, that's my honest answer to your question. Yeah. I don't know. Ex- yeah. No, I appreciate that, man. And do you have a sense of what the net is to you, uh, in two, I know, as you said, 2018 is more of a, just kind of a, a building year, if you will. And it'll, I believe based on what you've said, it'll allow you to really fuel your growth moving forward here. But do you have a sense of what that net is to you as the 100% owner of this business in terms of this year and, and moving forward in ideal scenarios? Yeah, so this year I think revenue is going to be pretty much stabilized. Unfortunately, I hate to say that. We were hoping for some better things to have clicked earlier this year, which didn't. So we'll probably be at right around the same $20 million or so. Um, profit will have d- decreased, obviously, because the same $20 million is paying for a much bigger infrastructure. Um, but I'm probably still going to take home you know, at least a couple million, mm-hmm. maybe one point five to two million net, um, as and, and that's just from one company. Uh, again, yeah. I've got some other that are doing really well from a cash cow perspective. Yeah, I mean you've got Sendlane, right? What else are you involved? Because I know Sendlane is yours, right? That's one of yours. Sendlane is absolutely. That's the one that's currently going through a public raise, and I just got a note from the CEO. Of it. it says we have fifteen VCs that are that are committed to make uh, getting us a term sheet at this point. Fifteen. So that's yeah. going to be really fun. That's awesome. So um, Sendlane is one of them. What are the others? Yeah, I have a consulting company um, that's called Corma Group. That's just it's it's very it's it's small. It's fully 100% cash. Uh, the only employee, quote unquote, is my assistant who actually works for Learn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And the other three, I actually can't publicly talk about. So my role with you. them is silent. Yeah, behind yeah. the scenes. So what what is the the advice that you would give to someone who is looking to either start a business and they're really just at square one? Uh, or someone who already has this business and maybe they're in the five, maybe six-figure range and they're looking to scale to seven or eight figures uh, and beyond. So let, let's start with the advice to the, to the person who is looking to start and, uh, and then shift to the advice for the person who's looking to scale. Perfect. All right, so the person who's looking to start, um, I would recommend a book called Art of the Start. Um, I love it. It's how I built my business. If you're looking to just get started, I have lots of advice, but the biggest one I'll give you is get a sale, start selling something. Mm. You know, if, if, if you don't have a product, fine, sell yourself, you know, consulting advice. There's something you're good at. If you're not go get, go become good at something and sell your advice, sell, sell your time, get cash flow coming in. That's one of the things I learned from Artie Start. Um, that was one of the first things that allowed me to really have major leaps and bounds in my business. But let me tell you, don't just do it for the money. So this would be like the second part of this advice is I say, you know, that an entrepreneur is someone who finds a problem, solves the problem, and then the key part here, okay, is creates value. So my question to you, even if you're selling consulting, what are you doing to create true value and results for those who give you their hard-earned money? If you can nail those two things down, you are going to be well on your way. You, but you've got to do something to get things coming in, all right? So stop bouncing from idea to idea. See one all the way through. I don't care if it's $100 or if it's 10000 Get stuff, something coming in. Mm-hmm. All right, so the second person who's looking to scale, very simple, start work. Here's here's the few areas I would focus. Number one, you have to start focusing on relationship, which means build your community. Okay, whether you do it through Facebook or whether you do it through email or whether you do it through YouTube or Twitter or LinkedIn or a combination thereof. You're, you're those, talking just is, so I'm clear. You're talking about having your own personal following. Having you you mean in terms of people connecting with you? 
with you or your brand, you or right? Your brand. Apple's okay. Apple's yeah. got a following, right? Yeah. So Apple, you don't you're not connected to the CEO necessarily. Yeah. Um, so you it, the 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 point I'm trying to make is is instead of just going out there and trying to get more traffic and build more funnels, first establish a mechanism that allows you to build communication and relationship with all of those people you bring in, because those the bigger and stronger that relationship is, your LTV, your lifetime value of that customer is you're going to see a two to three hundred percent increase in that lifetime value, which will directly, very directly impact your ability to pay more money for advertising and marketing, which will basically directly impact your ability to scale faster. So that leads me to my second advice, which is you really need to learn and perfect your ability to drive traffic to your website. Whether, there are tons of ways to drive traffic and every business, every niche has different, you know, some, some might be better on LinkedIn, some might be better on Facebook, some might be better through social networking. I don't know what it is, but you figure it out, you mm -hmm. get good at it damn good at it and focus on it because that's what's going to scale your business is getting more eyeballs to see what you're selling. Third, last but by no means least, build in more products, more services, more offerings to increase your LTV. Advertising world is changing. It's getting more and more expensive by the week, not even the month, by the week because more and more people are coming in and figuring out how to use it. That means you need to be able to pay more for advertising. The only way to do that is to increase your lifetime value of the customer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really, really sage advice there. So you've got uh, a new book coming out called Escape. What's the uh, subtitle on that book? So it's called Escape, the Four Stages of Becoming a Successful Entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and, and that's because I, I knew there was a, a four in there. I just couldn't remember what the four were. So what, what are the, briefly, what are those four stages? Yeah, absolutely. So everyone, I just want you to imagine the word escape, okay? So imagine the word escape with a lowercase e, and then all the rest of the letters are capital, okay? So there's a little arrow that goes from the little e to the very last big e, and that's basically how to go from employee to entrepreneur. And the four stages are the acronyms are the letters in the middle, S-C-A-P. Stage one is self. Stage two is catapult or create momentum. Stage three is authority or leadership. Stage four is P, people, or really the environment around you. And we've even created what we call the escape triangle, which basically shows you how you work your way up these stages. Self is really about, look, they say that it's not what you know, it's who you know. I disagree. I don't think it's what you know, it's not who you know, it's who you are. And that's what this book is about. What, who is an entrepreneur? See, here's the thing. I've, tra I've taught over 250,000 entrepreneurs. I give them the same training, same coaching, same resources. Yet some go on to become multimillionaires and others can't even make a dollar. Mm -hmm. That was driving me crazy for yeah. the longest time. So I, I went and did research. I looked at myself. I looked at the top entrepreneurs in the world. But more than anything, I looked at my successful students and I interviewed the ones who are not successful. I started to find common traits in both groups. So we're not trained to be entrepreneurs. I hope everyone knows that. The educational system, the system that we're raised in was coded decades ago to serve a different environment that we are in than today. So we are coded to be employees. So when you start trying to become an entrepreneur, you got years of things you need to work through. Mm -hmm. That's what we're going to do here. We're going to decode and recode who you are. C, create momentum or catapult. Most people, I have so many students come up to me and say, I want to make a million dollars. And my first question is, have you made a hundred yet? Mm -hmm. People are not willing to break their goals into mini goals and create momentum. Imagine trying to push a car that is in park, but it's at standstill. It takes the might of three or four people to get that thing moving. But once it's moving, one person can keep that car going. Momentum is everything. Then stage three is authority. 
I'll just ask this question. In third grade, when you were in school and had 40 kids in the class, how many class leaders were there? Mm-hmm. One. Mm-hmm. 39 kids don't get a chance to experience leadership, don't get a chance to inspire people, to get people to, to follow them, to support them. And you can't become an entrepreneur without that. And last but not least, P is people. This is the toughest one. It's the final frontier to entrepreneurial success. And that is who's in your life, who's around you, who's guiding you, who's holding you back. We've got to figure it out. We've got to dissect it down to a system and build the right environments around you. Now, each of these stages, I give five behaviors and characteristics that I've seen commonly come up in the most successful entrepreneurs. And you get a chance to test yourself on all five and literally be aware of them to start working on them. And if you master all 20, that's when I think like you're just you're you are that raging successful entrepreneur that no one can hold back. Yeah, no, that's that's really really awesome. Well, I encourage everyone to go grab a copy of those. As a matter of fact, I know that you're giving the book away, and I was trying to figure out if I could make it work to support you in that. How long is this going to be an ongoing thing where you're actually giving the book away? Just to kind of step me through uh, your release strategy around the book. Yes, so we release it on August fourteenth. We're giving it away for free, just covered shipping. I truly do actually go into losses for by a few dollars for every book that's uh, especially international. Yeah. Uh, why am I doing that? Uh, simple. First of all, it truly is about the mission. It truly is about me getting the message of this book out. But it's also about establishing relationship. I'm just going back to what I talked about. I'm decreasing the barrier of entry for you to establish relationship with me. So I'm, I'm reducing the, and removing the risk from your side. But I know that when you go through this book and you go through all of the other things that come with the book, you're going to realize just what we're about here at Learn, just what I'm doing. And I'm willing to bet that a huge portion of the people who buy the book will then choose to engage with us on other things. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm focusing first on that relationship. And then second, because I have such an interesting and entitling and enticing offer, I'm able to invest a lot on advertising. So I'll be ho- mm-hmm. hopefully able to move quite a few units of this. Long term, the plan still is to keep it going like this. The first print round was 20,000 copies. Uh, assuming it's successful, I'm a man who believes in doing that, which is already working. So I'll keep doing it. Yeah. Um, and, and we'll keep giving this out. I just want everyone to read what's in this book because I do think that a lot of people who are either struggling or who aren't growing as fast as they want, I think they can unlock why right in this book. Yeah, no, it's awesome. Uh, and this, uh, this interview will be released after uh, that. Well, it, I just want to understand, is it a, is it a specific launch period or, or th- is this going to be ongoing? I just need to know if we can... So what I was going to do is kick out a beyond8figures.com forward slash escape or it's something ongoing. like that. It is. Okay. Ongoing. All right. Go All right. for it. All right. So then let's, uh, let's do that. So you can grab a free copy of that book at beyond 8 figures. So the number eight. So beyond8figures.com forward slash escape. And, uh, and that will give you an opportunity to pick up a free copy then uh, of Onyx book. And I assume you just have to pay for shipping and handling. Is that correct? That's it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All right, man. Well, look, really, really appreciate you joining us today. And uh, I know you're an incredibly busy guy. Good luck with the uh, with the raise there. I'm sure if you got that many VCs at the table, the uh, the Series A should go uh, exceptionally well for you. So, well, really, really best of luck with that. And one day we'll uh, we'll, we'll break bread somewhere and we'll go over uh, how you and I got off on uh, on a foot there that uh, hopefully is. Uh, <laughs> is is healed at this point but we'll uh we'll go over that you know it's it's absolutely and it's funny i heard you say that at the beginning and i didn't even remember anymore good uh so from my (laughs) side it is totally gone i do remember me being a little upset with you about something but i can't honestly good i cannot even tell you what it was it it had something to do with it had something to do with your wife so uh no i'm playing nothing at all to do with your (laughs) wife (laughs) just playing 
But uh, yeah, no, all good, man. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that on another day. But really do appreciate you being on the show here and sharing your brilliance and best of luck with you, uh, with the headquarters, with all the endeavors as well as you move forward. So, Anik, thanks so much, man. Amazing. Thank you for having me here. It's been an honor and a pleasure. Thanks for what you do for this community. I appreciate you. Yep, absolutely. All right, my friends. Wow. So pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, and it's funny, right? Because, I mean, we all have access to the same things like what Anik did. I mean, we all why have access. Why aren't you doing something like exactly. that? Exactly. Kelly, why is Steve not doing something like this? But I mean, he is. He's in the process. Think about when we first started doing the show. Not this one, but yeah. just reinvention radio. radio. Yeah. And just how much has changed. You've focused in. Yeah. We've all focused in. Yeah. You know, the events. It's, no, it's good. But, you know, to not just not gloss over it real fast and go back to it. All these people, some form of hardship or some breakthrough mm-hmm. has always really been what got to that next side. Every one of them. Yeah. It doesn't just like fluff their way in i mean maybe what's her face that has the parties at her house like she oh you yeah know, <laughs> i'm, yeah, I'm blanking exactly. right now but you know like it, there's there's something melissa that's who yeah. uh, that's who that was yeah something melissa. that was hard i mean look he's like i was depressed i was thinking i was gonna kill myself you almost know, like, died on a almost plane died, yeah. yeah you know and then it sneaks in in a little phrase or two here and there but it's like you got to work on yourself yeah, what but a it, it, and it is interesting right? <laughs> when you think about in terms of the the epic success, the epic failure, the epic success, and really just kind of going back then and looking at how do I make this simpler and what is it that was really working well for us, and going back and focusing on that piece as opposed to trying to do too much with I think and I think so many of us are guilty of that. Yeah. Especially these days. There's always something new. Squirrel. Like some new Squirrel. Gadget. Shiny object. Yeah, for and sure. For didn't sure. Richard Branson, uh, Branson say that? the uh, What's the difference between a millionaire and a billionaire? He said a billionaire is a millionaire who thinks more simply. Really? Ooh, yeah. That's, that's a nice quote. Yeah, I like that one. And I also like the quote uh, where he said that this, this iteration is, is really um, uh, formulated in where it, it's not built to sell but the company is really uh, built in a way to serve. Yeah, I like know? that too. And and there's there's uh, there's real power in those simple words there. And I got to tell you, man, when you when you've got you know, a business, uh, we've been fortunate to have some pretty amazing entrepreneurs on the show. And week after week, we'll continue to bring you uh, amazing entrepreneurs. That's our goal. That's our job. And really teach you how to start and scale and exit uh, from a business, but. I gotta tell you, you know, it's uh, it's just exciting to me to, to see that these folks are saying yes to joining us, and uh, we'll continue to bring you amazing guests week after week. We'll talk to you next time here on Beyond Eight Figures. Take care, everybody. You've been listening to Beyond Eight Figures. Share your thoughts on today's episode and what you'll apply to your business by emailing us at feedback at beyond8figures.com. And if you haven't already done so, we'd greatly appreciate it if you took a moment now to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Until next time, keep scaling.